Hey there, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon. Amazing agents. Welcome back, Real Success Nation. This is Coach Bill Pipes coming at you as always, alive, excited, and full of energy. Hey, happy holidays. You made it. It's December again, right? I hope that you guys are just absolutely crushing it here as we finish off 2015 and really jump into 2016. As all of you know, really the work that you're doing right now truly separates you from the competition that's out there. Most agents um, that are in the industry, they stopped working about a week ago or two weeks ago, and they'll start back up somewhere after after January, as uh, you know, January 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, somewhere around there. And I just want to acknowledge you. If you're working, if you're calling your past clients, if you're working your database, if you're calling expireds, you're on top of your marketing, you are an outlier. You're someone that your clients can rely upon. And more importantly, you're someone that like really takes this business seriously. So, you know, for those of you that are doing that, I acknowledge you. I say congratulations. And if you're not, hey guys, what are you waiting on? This is such a great time to be able to capture market share when everyone else is not working and you choose to, you begin to actually gobble up market share from other agents and you know, be able to actually grow your business. So it's that wonderful 180 degree theory that if you do what others aren't doing, you'll be able to have what others will never have. So you know, this time of the year, it's an interesting time of the year because we are, it's really like about reinventing ourselves. I know a lot of you out there have created your business plan, you created your life plan of your personal goals that you're working on as well too. And, and really what we're doing is we're reinventing. We're saying, here's where I am, here's where I stand, here's where I'd like to go, here's the gap. And who do I need to reinvent myself? Who do I need to re-engineer myself as in order to be able to bridge that gap in 2016 and beyond and ultimately you know, like become the person that you always wanted to become? My guest today is, I gotta tell you guys, I've been, you know, I, I know I say this a lot, I've really, really been looking forward to this one. And um, he's a good friend of mine, someone that is just, when we talk about reinventing, we talk about reengineering. This, this young man has done it, like he's cracked the code. He's done it seamlessly and moved from one industry to the next and to the to like grown his business in different components and different sources and really has got this whole reinventing down. And I thought, who better to bring to Real Success Nation here, uh, you know, at the end of the year than my good friend, you know, some, you know, my, we've had the chance to work together as coach and coaching client. You know, I'm inspired by him. You know, this guy is crushing it, has just pulled down a, a major uh, television program on HGTV. My, you know, kick-ass, Good friend, Mr. Jesse Rodriguez. So, Jesse, say hello to Real Success Nation, brother. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hi, Bill. How you doing? Dude, I'm rocking, man. Rocking and rolling. So, Jesse, you know our goal here out of, uh, out of our Real Success interviews <clears throat> is to, to really help these individuals that are listening right now walk away from this call with like three or four key components that they can actually take, plug into their business, you know, and, and begin to have some of the success that, that, that you have had. Okay. So as we get started here, bro, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Like, who are you? How long in the business? And where do you sell? So name's Jesse Rodriguez, based out of Southern California in the city of Claremont. I've uh, been licensed since 2004 and, you know, got into the market in a great industry, right? I mean, it was great times. 
I was doing loans when I first started, so I wasn't even a realtor. And I was doing really well for many years. And then the market crashed like it did for everybody else. And it just, it's a, uh, it was hard on everybody. And you had to try to, you know, embrace the chaos that was happening in 2007, 2008, 2009, and try to reinvent yourself. And that's something that I worked on and I did, you know, and I kept changing who I was. But, um, you know, since then we've had, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had a ton of success. We've sold thousands of homes uh, as team, um, you know, have a brokerage, have an escrow company, um, started selling to investors, you know, became a flipper myself and now have a TV show on HGTV that's showcasing, um, you know, the art of flipping and, and fixing up historical homes and stuff. So it's been a crazy, crazy uh, 11 years, you know, to get to this point. And just seems like every two, three years, there's something new going on that you have to kind of adapt to. So how old are you, Jesse? <laughs> I'm 33. You're a, dude, you're a baby, brother. 33 years old. Yeah, no, I know, man. I'm, I'm still young. You know, I wish I was like 25 again, though. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's, a, that's incredible. Like, so I, did, I didn't realize you were 33. I thought you were a little, bit, a little bit older, even though you look really, really young. You've had so much success in such a short amount of time. So He's you got the business. Here. This is what makes me look older. This is <laughs> the real estate wrinkles, I call them. The real estate wrinkles, yes. I got the real estate bags over here. <laughs> so, um, so this year, you and your team will sell how many homes? So this year, we're going to sell 105 homes. Mm. Is that up from the previous year? Yeah, we were uh, mid 80s last year. Okay, good, great, great growth, man. So you added 20 transactions. You know, 30 percent growth. Um, now you guys also flip properties. So how many properties will you guys flip this year? So we're on track to close this year 32 flips. 32 flips, 32 and flips, almost three a month. Three a month. Awesome. And then I think you said your goal for next year is 150. Is that right? Yeah. So we're going to go 150 transactions for the team and bump up the flips to 50 next year. 50. Now, a lot of times people hear these incredible numbers and they think, oh, he must have a huge team. This is what one of the things that impresses me the most about you is that your team is not that big. How many people do you have on your team? So it's myself and two buyer's agents. And then in the real estate side of it, a personal assistant uh, and a transaction coordinator. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then in the flip division, I have someone who helps me acquire the homes and okay. run the construction and manage them. So, I mean, it's still really small when you think about how many units we're doing. Yeah. Did your per agent productivity <coughs> is 33 transactions per agent on your yeah. team. I mean, that's, that's one of the better numbers that I've seen across the boards uh, nationally. So over the years, dude, you've, you've, you've worn many hats. Why don't you take us through um, the different stages of your growth in the business in 2004 and just sort of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I started the business in 2004 as like a mortgage assistant, like a junior loan officer, um, you know, did a few months, branched off, started doing my own loans, started making, you know, doing really good money, making really good money, excuse me. And in 2007, the market crashed and it was tough. Me and Tina just got married. We got married on June, you know, whatever, June 10th. I'm sorry, May 10th of 2007. Um, we bought our house on July 5th of 2007. And by February of 2008, we were short selling it. Wow. You know, so, so talk about, you know, a, a, a you know, great woman, right? A great wife. She was with me in college, saw me grow. We get married and then it, devastation, right? The world's ending to us in real estate. There's no transactions. My mortgage company was doing well. We were doing 30 units a month to... It was just gone. I mean, I'll never forget 2007, 2008, how like the rug just got pulled from under us. So we moved in with her mom and dad, you know, after we short sold the house, we were six months married. She was the one supporting us, 
you know, she was doing everything. She was allowing me to kind of re-engage myself. I got a job as working for a mortgage company just because I wanted the salary of like $2,000 a month, you know, just to bring something in, like the draw that they were going to give me from being independent. When I was doing that, the only people I saw making money were the REO agents. So I decided, I came home one day and I told Tina, I said, I'm going to become an REO agent. She's like, what is it? I said, I don't know, but it's when the house is foreclosed, they got to give them to somebody. So why don't they give them to me? So I would work in the daytime at the bank. At night, I would stay up till two, three in the morning, signing up for all these goofy websites, like free VPO lists, uh, you know, sign up here and you'll get REOs. I literally signed up for hundreds and hundreds of sites and a lot of them made you pay money. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to invest the hundred dollars, the $200, the $500, even though we didn't have it at the time. Cause I said, I'm going to make this happen. Well, lo and behold, I stumbled across an asset manager looking for an agent in big bear, which was two and a half hours away from me. And they're like, do you service that area? I said, yes, I do. I love big bear. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I, I to get Tina, we jump in the car on a Saturday. I drive up there and the house is completely vacant. Okay. I mean, it's stickers on the window saying that it's been secured and all this other random stuff. And I look through the window, there's no furniture. And I look at Tina and I said, I think it's occupied. Because <laughs> I knew nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, I was a loan guy. I wasn't even a regular realtor to even understand like selling houses. I went straight from loans to getting my first ever foreclosure listing. And I made a great relationship with that bank and that um, asset manager. And within six months, I had 30 properties with her. She, you know, wow. learning, learning how to do it, you know, rekeying and all the steps. And so my whole first start of my career as a realtor from 2008 till 2012, uh, 12, excuse me, I only sold foreclosures and it went from being dead broke by the end of 2007 to selling 20 houses. I mean, I didn't actually get into REO till June of 2008 cause I was doing the, the job loan thing yep. by in six months we, we closed, I think 20 houses or 30 houses by the next year it was a hundred in 2009, uh, 2010, it was 200. In 2011, 2012, we hit just under 400 units. Wow. At the same Was time. that the peak? Was that the peak? Was that about was the 400? peak for us. Yeah, 400, 390, somewhere right in there was where we hit our highest number of, of units. We were still a small team. Um, at that point, you know, Tina and I bought another house. Everything was great again. And, you know, right when everything is going good, you kind of get complacent. That's kind of the killer, I think. Yeah. You, know, you ask about how do you reinvent, right? So by then... You know, I had a good amount of staff. I wasn't doing as much. I wasn't as engaged. I wasn't out there getting all the REO accounts. Um, we were just more maintaining what we had. And you kind of lost, I lost my love a little bit for, for the process. And right when that starts happening, the market starts getting better. You know, 2012, the market, 11 and 12, the market starts shifting a little bit. And all of a sudden, all the hedge funds entered into our marketplace. And I got, was like, oh, this is a new thing. Hedge funds, what are they doing? They want to buy. So after years of selling, um, you know, dis the disposition of like bad assets. I'm now helping hedge funds buy assets and invest in them. You know, at this point, I also flipped a couple houses, you know, not a lot, two, two in one year, you know, one the next year, three. Um, but then we started selling to the hedge funds, 20 and 30 homes a month. So we kept up our volume in 12 and 13 with a few hundred units because we were just selling. At this point, dude, I, I didn't, dude, I didn't know that. I did not know that you guys, it was you, was it you and Thorman at that time? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Jason so was with there. me since like 2010. Yeah, big shout out to Jason Thorman. Just honestly, one of the most amazing dudes. You know, like you know Jesse's uh, business partner or old business partner. Really good guy, Jason. You rock, dude. Yes, so. I will agree with that. Jason's the best. I mean, Jason holds a piece of my heart. We built yeah. that business together, and uh, and he was amazing. He's definitely missed in the office by everybody.
Yeah. So that so you do the asset. So all of a sudden you can move from asset management uh, over, or you know working with asset managers to the hedge fund. And exactly. then does that does that run out? Does that that has a, a half? That life. that had a lifespan as well. They were buying you know a couple hundred houses from us a year. It lasted about a year and a half. <clears throat> we hit 2013, the end of 2013, and it's like I'm you know I'm like oh my god, what do I do? I've only even though I've been a realtor, I've been a successful realtor, right? One of the top ones that people were looking up to in, in our valley. I still was never a regular realtor. I wasn't selling your house, you know, my mom and dad's house. I didn't have time for that. I was a corporate realtor essentially either for the banks or for the hedge funds I was buying or selling. So again, I had to reinvent, you know, and it, and it took time to realize, wow, I have a database. I have my sphere of influence. I'm liked by a, a large percentage of the people that run into me like me. And why am I not tapping that? Why have I never had time to help them? So I shifted our model over and we started doing more standard sales. Um, and while doing that, we started doing a lot of investing and flipping as well. You know, I was, I, I learned how to find deals for the hedge funds. And what we realized is as we were finding the deals, because we had an acquisition division, it was like, we're selling this house to the hedge fund for you know, 200 grand and it rents at whatever number. Well, I didn't even realize, well, it flips at 350. Like, mm -hmm. oh man. You know, so then I told my team, I said, let's keep looking. Even though the hedge fund's not buying, let's keep looking and searching and let's see if we can sell to other investors. And then we started selling other investors for flips. We started managing some of the flips for them, construction. And then I said, why am I doing this for other people? Let's do this for ourselves. You know, we have a little bit of capital. We have relationships. And, you know, in the last two years, 2014, 2015 is when we really, really went hard and started flipping 20 plus homes a year. Um, you know, we got a construction division. We're licensed as a general contractor now. But I never went away from regular real estate. At that point, regular real estate was pumping, you know, and traditional sales. And it's like, the one thing is, that I think that I want everybody to know the message is don't go become a flipper or don't become, you know, try to go, everybody go become an asset manager. I'm not saying, you know, don't, but realize what cycle we're in. You know, I used to get really offended when people would say, you're just a niche agent. You know, I, I'm selling hundred standard sales. You're just doing REO. You'll go away. Well, I've proven, I think everybody wrong, you know, that we're not going to go away because real estate is real estate. All I did was who is, the bulk buyer or the bulk seller at that moment in the life cycle of our real estate channel. And let's focus our attention to that. And I think all the greats shifted to that. Yeah. You know, we've got, you know, we've got short sell Kirk, right? Who did a yeah. ton of short sales. Now he's standard sell. He's broker Kirk it, it, because he just knew it's time to shift. And, and so and that's what we have to do. Dude, let me put you on the spot here. Uh, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't put this as something I was going to ask you. Uh oh, but, <laughs> but I remember you and I were sitting in Ojai, right? We're right. sitting outside of that little restaurant bar, right? And we're talking about where are we in the cycle? Remember that? So uh, we're, we're, I, at the, we're at the we're at the what did I say? <laughs> yeah. we, you, no, we, you and I were just talking. I was like, yeah. well, man, I'm not sure. Are we on the upward trend? Or are we in the downward trend? And we couldn't really at that time. We didn't really have. Yeah, it's hard to tell. So, what are you what are you doing right now in terms of positioning yourself for the next trend? What's the next niche that you're looking at? So, or okay, there's still REO out there. There's still guys selling foreclosures. You know, guys and gals. Excuse me, people. Um, so that's still a niche that's there. There's people that are still heavy in keeping those relationships alive. I try to jump in at the strongest, highest percentage chance of it. So I'm not focused on REO too much right now because I think. I would be spinning my wheels to get not a lot of transactions. And right now is the standard sell niche. Every, you know what I mean? Everything is a niche. We went from the REO niche to the hedge fund niche, to, uh, or let's call it the investor niche, yep. to 
we're now in the traditional market niche where people are, you know, they're, they're either buying up they're, or they're buying or they're selling down, right? They need something smaller. They're downsizing. The baby boomers are retiring. And that's where the focus is, I think. I don't think our market's going to shift anytime soon in the next, you know, I think we've got 24 plus months yep. of this same market that we had this year. We're going to see up and down cycles in the 12, in the 12 months. The spring was really hot for us this year, right? And then I think everybody saw third quarter, it slowed down, you know, for whatever reason. I think we're just going to keep seeing that. Good. It's going to be yeah. high in the spring, a little bit lower in the, in the fall, the winter, but there's still thousands of transactions happening. Yeah. Economically, we're moving forward strong. Yeah. You know I mean? Like there's a, there's a strong economy. Yeah. That was the conversation that you and I had. So dude, you, now, now you've got the TV show. So you've got the HGTV show. So that comes in based upon the flipping that you're doing. Yes. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, so what are the keys? Like if you were to give us, because we got a lot of people who are listening right now going, okay, okay you know, look, I, I sold seven homes last year. I want to reinvent myself, you know, in terms of an agent that sells 20 or 30 homes next year or 15, right? What are the keys to reinvention, to reengineering yourself? Well, you know, I think if you're going from like, if you want to go from seven to 20, you know, it's not even reinventing, you know, maybe it's reinventing your work ethic is probably what we have to do. You know what I mean? Because we're in that same market. Like if you're selling seven homes, duplicate what you did to do the seven to get to 20, right? Like you mentioned earlier in your intro, the outliers are the agents that are still working right now. I'm as busy, you know, on December you know, 9th or whatever today is, right? As I am in March 10th or July 20th, um, there's no such thing as, as it's, it's, it's winter, it's Christmas, let's stop working. You know, so many industries really try to slow down or they think people are still buying and selling. Why, why are we slowing down? You know what I mean? So I think that agent that wants to go from seven to 20, it's, it's really focused on, on a plan of action to, to, you know, get in front of more people. It's a sales game. It's a prospecting game. You know, you know that you, you taught yeah. me that. So yeah. it's, it's how many people are they talking to? And then are they following up with those people? Are they asking the right questions? You know, is their head in the right place? You know, yeah. how many times has somebody come up to us and is like, how's the real estate market? You know, and if you're down, you're like, oh, it's okay. That was an open-ended question for help me. You know, I want to know, like, by answering, like, it's amazing. Like, you know, how are you feeling about it? Are you experiencing it? You know, it, it's, you know, have you seen the equity growth? Isn't it exciting? There's not foreclosures everywhere. Like, it's like nobody remembers in 2008, 2009, how many for sale signs were on a street and dead grass. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I see green grass everywhere. And I put a smile on my face because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's awesome. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the market feels better. People are happy. Um, so I think for that agent to reinvent themselves, it's just, it's just a work ethic thing, I think. You know what I mean? Get to work, do the right stuff, and actually work. You know, because we get lost in the paperwork <laughs> yeah. so often that you have to have, I think, the right support to make sure you're passing on those items and you're just doing the sales, the sales things that need to happen to make transactions. So it's interesting because I, I didn't know that you guys, that you and Tina actually moved into her parents' house. I mean, that's it's not a story we tell to too many people. Yeah. Now, now you get to tell it to 27,000 people or 50,000 people who are going to watch this. Um, I want to, so, you know, I want to humanize it because I think everybody sees the end result of success, you know, oh, they're doing great or this or that, you know, and they don't realize that everybody struggled. Every, yeah. I don't care who you are. If you're the richest person, if you're, if you had a trust fund, you know what I mean? There was still some, something that might've happened in your life that made you get remotivated because how many people get millions of dollars and then blow it? Yeah. Right. So we can't knock someone if they had a ton of money and then did something with it, or if they started from, from humble beginnings and did something with it. it it's, it, you know, we worked hard to be in a good place now. Now I save a lot more. I was young before. I'm never going to allow 
the next market turn to affect me because I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to leverage some, but I'm not going to over leverage my life. You know, yeah. one thing a mentor told me was if you never displace your family from their home, they will never know what's happening around them. So the world could be crumbling, right? Another like foreclosure devastation can happen to everyone. But if they get, if your kids can continue to go to school in the same school <clears throat> and get raised in that same home, it doesn't really affect them that much. It's when we have to pick up and move them to another neighborhood or this or that or move in with the parents and the in-laws and it really like hits. So I made a promise to myself that I'm not going to over leverage my mortgage ever so that if I ever have to go back and get, you know, a, a job at, you know, $5 an hour or something, I can survive and my kids can still have food on the table and they can still have that same home that they have. Cause that's the key, right? I mean, we sell homes for people. That's, I mean, that's everyone's heart. Yeah. You know, dude, I have never, I love, I love what you just said. You know, this, this whole focus on family. Cause I know that, that Tina means the world to you and your kids mean the world to you. Um, you're sitting in your, I want to take you back to, you're okay. sitting in your, your Tina's parents' house. You guys are there. Was there ever a time that you're just like, crap, man, like it's all crumbling around you and like you just were like so frustrated. How did you get, how did you get back mentally? Because I've never seen you. Dude, I've, we, we were laughing about this before the interview. We were just in Vegas and we're at the craps table actually getting our rear ends handed to us. And yeah. you've, you've got that great smile on your face the entire time. Even when we walk away, you have such a great attitude all the time. Well, you're sitting inside that room and, you know, like in, inside your, your in-law's house, what were you mentally, what did you mentally do to get through that? You know, I think it was, look, you know, I think we all have our moments of, of, you know, depression or getting down on ourselves. And I, and I was, I hit that first, right? Like, I can't believe this is happening. How many bad decisions did I make? You know, I thought I was doing everything right. And then when I accepted the fact that maybe I did make some wrong decisions, I spent too much, I didn't have enough saved but really the market just collapsed around us. And, and then seeing Tina, she was devastated, right? This was hard for her. She comes from a great family. She's probably thinking, I just married this Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and look what's happening. And when she stepped up and said, I know you're going to build this again. You know, you just need to focus and do it. And she let me just, you know, focus and not have to carry like the worry and the stress and her parents opening up themselves, and my parents gave us a car when I didn't have a car anymore at that moment. They gave me their Yukon. You know, it was like everybody around me, I had a good support system, and it was just, I mean, it was tunnel vision motivation. I mean, it was, I mean, I was working the mortgage job. I didn't even mention, I started selling timeshares at night, you know, and then I would come home, and I would actually sign up for the banks and do BPOs and try to learn REO because I was like, I will not, I will not allow this to be what, like, you know, dictates my life or who I am. I worked too hard to be that what I was to not, you know, to crash and then just accept it. So, and I wasn't going to quit the industry. I mean, I, I love real estate. So many yeah. people got out of it and I don't think you have to get out of it when the markets change. We, none of us just foresaw what was coming. So we didn't adapt to it. And I think now if we're always, you know, you can double down on some hands, but you also have to fold on others and we have to know when to, when to do that. And, uh, and because of Tina, I mean, I really say like she let me get in that room, close the door and do whatever it takes to kind of find that next niche and, and supported me in doing it. And she had a lot of like, you know, nights where she was crying, right? Cause of, because of the stress and like, you know, it, it was hard, but, um, but you know, I think that's what makes us who we are now. Um, you know, you know, what's so I, I, I'm taking notes over here. I wrote down number one, you have to have the right support group around you. Don't you? 
Like you've got to have the right people, like whether it was your wife or your, you know, your in-laws and everyone else that, that believed in you. Right. Because you've got to have, I've heard the old saying that you've got to, you know, any person have a breakthrough in their life needs to have two people that believe in them. Number one is themselves, but number two is somebody else outside of them, Jesse, that believes in them. And it sounds to me like Tina was, was that person for you, you know, you know, um, I wrote down number two, there is no substituting work ethic period because you were busting your ass, man, like day in, day out, working till two or three o'clock at night. So, I mean, all those are, are key in terms of reinventing. But what else would you say to, to everyone? Like now you've, dude, you're, I don't want to say on the top because, you know, like it's, it's, as we get closer to what we think a 10 is, the whole scale changes. So, yeah. you, know, you know, you people look at you and you go, ah, close to a 10, but you know, I'm sure that you're like, okay, there's a next level for me. Um, how well, are you going let me touch on, I think, the third thing to reinventing, and I think this is the biggest key, is the ego. Because so many of us so work so hard to get to a certain level, and we go, this is where I am. And when we start to see the, you know, the shifts start to happen, and we don't want to accept them and go, oh, I don't want to start over. I don't want to be the new guy, the new person in that whatever. And you know, I, I was the biggest standard sell agent in my market, my, my farm. Everybody loves me in my town. Now I have to go do short sales. I don't want to do short sales. I don't, you know what I mean? Those, a lot of agents were, that were great agents fought that transition and that's why they didn't reinvent, you know? And, and I think it's, it, it was an ego thing. It was, I don't want to sell the bad house or the, I don't know how to do that. Right. So it's like, we're always going to have to like reeducate ourselves on whatever that new, you know, thing out there. And then two, we have to accept the fact that it's okay to go back and start over because we're not really starting. It's still all real estate. And, and I feel now that because I've seen originally a good cycle, then I did REO, then I worked with investors, and now I feel like I'm back to a good cycle again, right? Doing a lot of traditional business that I'm ready for it again. I'm not scared for short sales to come around in two years, 10 years, you know, whenever it is, or REO. But there'll be a new version of it. You know, it would be silly to think that it's just going to be the same way, right? The short sales and REO that you just saw were not the same ones that you probably saw in the 90s, right? Technology played a big part now and automated a lot of the foreclosure process that we didn't have in the 90s, you know, when the savings and loan issue happened. So there's going to be that next thing in five years or 10 years, right? That we're, I mean, who knows? All foreclosures might go all virtual auction and, and, but there's still going to be a place for us as realtors or mortgage people in this industry. So it's not having the ego and being willing to educate, to learn, to start over and be the new guy. How do you, how do you control that? Because yours, like honestly, humility is I think one of your one of your strong suits, man. Thank I you. mean, you have every reason in the world to beat your chest and go, ah, you know, like I made it, I made it again. You know, like I've got a TV program now. Yeah. How do you control your ego? You know, obviously, I have my moments where the ego pops out a little bit, where you know, where someone ticks us off, and and they're like, don't they know who I am? <laughs> you know, but uh, more often than not, to be honest, it's 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 can't even believe I'm here every day. You know, it's like, it's so easy to remember what it was like in 2007. So maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear of not wanting to go back to that day, you know, and to allow myself to think that I'm bigger or greater than I am. And that, you know, I, you know what I mean? That I can outlast anything. It's like, so I just keep my head down and go, I don't want to be back in that position. I don't ever, I mean, I didn't have kids the last time around when it happened. And, and I'm like, what me and Tina went through, I definitely never want my kids to have to see happen. So it's the, the fear of loss, I guess, you know, that keeps me humble to, to the point of, of, you know, 
just, you know, be grateful that it's happened, that God's blessed us and that, that it, and that it's going to go away. Everything has a cycle, you know, even this TV show thing, which is, could be the greatest thing that's ever happened to our family. It may only last a year, two years, three years. And, uh, and how cool that I have a DVD to remember it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the TV. Let's talk about the TV program. That just, that just came about, I remember uh, about a year ago when you and I were working together, you're like, okay, I've got this opportunity. It's sort of coming together. And then all of a sudden, bang, man. So yeah. t tell us a little bit about that. Like, what, what is it? You know, where can they watch it? <clears throat> yeah. So the name of the show is Vintage Flip. It's on HGTV, Home and Garden Television, so, which is the, the greatest channel for real estate and home design and construction. And it's, you know, uh, I'm happy to be on that network because it's a dream channel, right? Like everybody who watches it, you're dreaming. You know, they're, they're like, they're calling to our clients, like, you know, buyers and sellers, right? Every new buyer, uh, which amazes me, like how many of my friends in the, in the early to, to mid 30s are like, yeah, I watch HGTV. I love this show and this show and this show because they're all buying their first or second home and they get all these great ideas on how to, you know, do a cool reclaimed wood wall and DIY and do it yourself and stuff. So, uh, Tina and I are really, really excited. It's a family show. Um, it's called vintage flip, which basically the premise is we flip, um, historic architectural character homes. So it's got the flipping aspect of the fact that there there's money and there's a uh, capitalism behind it. Right. And we want to want to buy something old, fix it up new and make a profit but also trying to keep the integrity of the home, buying a 1920s craftsman home and that maybe all the moldings were stripped out of it in two or three different remodels that happened over the last, you know, 95 years, putting all the molding back in, you know, restoring those hardwood floors, but then maybe changing the floor plan a tiny little bit um, to make the kitchen open to the living room, which most of us want right now. Cause we want to be, if I'm in the kitchen cooking and Tina's, you know, at the dinner table, helping the kids with homework, we want to be able to communicate with each other. And so, so we bring a little bit of the modernism of that, um, without, you know, butchering obviously an architectural home and then bringing all the cool character about these old houses. They're just built so differently than today's homes and not knocking today's builders. Um, but just, you know, when you go down an old street and, and where you live, there's so many character homes and, and it, it's um, awesome when you drive by, you could drive by one street for 10 years and still notice the house and go, I never noticed that house before. Cause the trees maybe were overgrown from and then it's this amazing like Spanish or Tudor. Um, so, so, and so it's awesome. I think, I think the show is going to do well. I'm hopeful of it because it's got so many great, it's got the DIY factor. It's got a salvage factor. It's got a historicalness factor and it's got the modernization. And then it's got Tina doing the designing and staging, me doing the construction and the real estate. Um, and then our boys play a, a part and they're in there helping us stage and paint. And, um, and, and it's, I mean, it's real life, you know, we're, we're a little real estate company. That's a family run business. And I grew up in a family run business, helping my dad stock shelves in our meat markets. So it's awesome to see Carter and Mason now doing that. And it reminds me of what I did with my dad and, and all my brothers grew up like that. What have you, that's phenomenal, man. I've seen, I saw the, the pilot and it was just amazing, man. Thank I know you. there's more that, more that are out right now. What have you learned from, cause this is an opportunity that very few of us will get, which is to actually have our own television show. So we want to, we want to learn from you right now. Okay. What, what have you learned from being on that program that tr can translate for everyone who's listening into everyday life? Wow. Um, I, I, you know, I don't even, I mean, can you elaborate on that? I don't, I don't, what do you mean? Yeah. So, so what if you like every, every opportunity, everything that you do is an opportunity to learn something about yourself, right? Okay. What is it that, that, that being now filmed, 
right? Like you have to be filmed, you're on, you know, like you're balancing all this together. What have you learned about yourself from, from, or learned that you can apply towards business from the filming itself? Well, that I can handle high stress. <laughs> because <laughs> nice. if I thought I was busy before when I was running, you know, our company, um, and, and flipping just, you know, basic homes and, 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 you know, and having fun doing that now adding the capturing it all in real time aspect to it, um, is, is tough time management, right? You, you know, so, so that's one thing that I've learned. I, I learned that I can push my limits and there's still more there. You know, mm. I'm, I'm not a big, uh, physical fitness person. I'm not in the gym all the time, but I, you know, friends that are, you know, they intrigue me because, you know, I'm like, God, you know, I, I do 10 reps and I'm so sore and I want to stop. Right. But it's because I don't have the mental, mental capacity yet. I, my muscles can do it, but I, I'm not mentally there. But in the work side of things, you know, I'm not scared of, you know, going to your house and taking a listing appointment, running down and meeting a contractor at a house and designing something, shooting home and having dinner with the family, um, then jumping back on the laptop, you know, putting the kids to bed and waking up the next morning and going, hoorah, let's do it again. <laughs> you know, and, and, and obviously we, I break sometimes too and, and, and get like, oh my God, I can't do this. And then you realize, God, there's so much more in us. There really is. I mean, we're not pushing ourselves. I mean, not nearly enough. I, I don't know all the technicalities of our brain and our body, but there's a lot to it, you know. So you found another gear, right? I mean, there's exactly, a, yeah. There's another gear that you found that you're kicking into. You know, uh, one of the questions I wrote down that I wanted to ask you actually centralizes around this, and that it's, it has to do with balance. Okay. Because because I I look at you know you Tina your kids you know the program the flipping the the team you guys just opened up your brokerage this last year in uh, um, what, what is the city what uh, city Claremont. Is it? And Claremont, Claremont beautiful beautiful Claremont man the city of trees and PhDs trees <laughs> and PhDs how coach me on how to manage all that dude if i like how do you do that how do you manage it all without having you know your relationship fall apart or you feeling guilty as a father or you sure. know like like how do you do it you know the we spent I, so every morning tina goes to the gym she's like the workout fanatic and i get my quality time with the boys i wake up with them you know i'll do breakfast with them i'll watch cartoons i'll just play with them right so every morning i wake up to a four-year-old and a two-year-old with the biggest smiles on their face, right? With not a worry in the world. And I think it like resets my clock every single day starting like that. So I get my, my two and a half hours in the morning with them like that. Then I go to work and because my office is within, I, you know, I'm less than one mile, my office to my house, I pop in and out all day long. You know, there's so much interaction happening between me and Tina on the houses that, you know, it's, hey, can you come by and grab these tile samples and take it? So then I'll come by and you know, and I get to reconnect for five minutes, you know, or, and, and especially because since she works with me in the flips, you know, we'll go together to go see the house. We'll talk about it. Um, the second thing we do have a nanny that helps us. Okay. And, and I don't know if, you know, if I'm supposed to say that, if that's politically correct in the world or not, but we do need to have help, um, so that Tina can do the things that are important to her that she needs to do too. You, you can't just all day long, you know, be mom, 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 you know, you need to get your nails done as well. You need to get your hair done. I mean, I've got my nice haircut, right? So, so, <laughs> so, you know, that needs to happen for her as well. So having that extra set of hands, um, helps and, and they also help to take care of the home part so that Tina can do more with the kids. Um, and then, and then we do a lot of stuff together, you know? So we do a lot of stuff I and mean, the kids will go with us. I mean, Carter, if he was on the show right now, would be talking about more design elements than you know about. And he's only four. Every time he walks in the house, he's like, daddy, I think we should take down this wall. And I think we should, you know, so, 
So they're engaged in the business because we're talking about it a lot. And, uh, and it's just part of our life. And then, uh, oh, lastly, date nights. We go on two date nights a week. Okay. A week. I know that's crazy. I know most people are like struggling. to. Marcy and I struggle to go on one a week, man. You guys are going on two a week. That's two a week. week. I talk to people that don't go that do it like once a quarter. And or ever. Or ever. Yeah. I mean? and, and I just like, I feel, I, I just, I can't, I don't know how that, that's possible. Like, I mean, if I couldn't spend that quality time with Tina, I mean, last night we just, we went to the mall. You know, and we did some Christmas shopping and she went to a couple of her stores, went to a couple of my stores, we did a couple of joint stores. So, but in, in that point, we, you know, we got to have dinner, talk, catch up. What did your day consist of? What did my day, even though we're talking all throughout the day, um, but it's work related when we're talking throughout the day. When we get to go to date night, there's a little bit of work and then it's, you know, oh, I love that shirt on you, babe, buy that shirt. And, you know, what do you think about the, you know, should I get this shirt for the, for the open house, you know, and, and this just happened last night. And, uh, and, and. And so we're constantly engaged. Like, I mean, if we weren't doing that, um, life would be tough. I, I would actually be miserable if, if I was not spending that time. I don't know how people um, can't do that, you know, and, and not spend that quality time with their loved ones. I mean, work is like important, but like work-life balance, I mean, that's the key. Yeah. So you guys schedule these. And I remember reading something. You're, you're probably too young to remember this. There was a book called Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Back okay. in the 80s, right? 80s early I, I don't know it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you wouldn't, right? Google it. For those of you that have no idea, Google it somewhere out there. And the number one, did it. <laughs> the, the number, number one thing in there was marry the right person because uh, all your happiness will depend upon that, right? Like all of business, yeah. everything else revolves around that. So uh, this is off topic. However, this has sort of evolved, and that's what I love about about our conversations. I mean, you and I were joking when I said we could BS for two hours. Yeah. Um, what is the key to a great relationship for you and Tina? Is it the time you spend together? Yeah. Like, because there's a lot of people who are listening right now, and they're going into the new year and they've thought about their business, but they're also like reengineering who they are in their as a couple, right, or in whatever relationship or as a father. What's the key to being a great husband or a great spouse? And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you another one here in a second too. So what's the key there? So support. I think support's the probably the biggest thing. I mean, supporting each other in 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 everything and, and being understanding and being able to let go, uh, like like not to hold a grudge. So with everything I'm saying, you know, you could be watching this and going, oh my god, they're oh they're, they're trying to be so perfect. No, no. I mean, we we argue. You know, we'll get into fights. We're normal, right? I I don't pick up my clothes you know, or put them away. And then she, you know, I'm not your maid. You know, you know what I mean? I'm, you don't help me enough is what I'll say. You know, it's, it's normal. We've had a talent. So we've been together since we were 18 years old. We met freshman year of college and we've been able, we'll have the biggest blowout intense, like fight, like, you know, verbal, like going at it and instantly forgive. It's like, we get it out and we're done. We've ne we don't hold a grudge. Like, I mean, we have never like go to sleep mad um, you know, and I know we've all heard that a million times. Don't ever go to sleep, but we really don't like, I mean, it's like after a fight or some of the mean is said, I mean, I'm instantly like, Oh God, I feel, I feel horrible, you know, like, and then I, then I swear it just, it makes us like stronger, love each other more, re-engage, appreciate each other more, realize I am being a slob. I'm so sorry. I'm tired from work, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, and then it's yeah. like, then I'll get better at it for a couple of weeks and then I fall off again. And it's, and it's constant work. I mean, it, the marriage is, is work as well. And, um, and I think that go back to the date nights, the date nights, it's, it's a recharge of that battery. It's maybe only two hours long, 
but a nice dinner and a glass of wine and just kind of being able to connect as adults, you know, instead of it being about Carter's school and the project and oh my gosh, here's Christmas and what's Elf on a Shelf going to do for the next five days? <laughs> you, <laughs> you guys have the Elf on the Shelf too, man. That we thing. do have Elf on the Shelf, yes. Elf on you the Shelf is amazing. <laughs> that's very cool. Dude, do you realize something? And I'm not sure if you ever realize this, but there's there's a, a common thread that you have that I think it like runs through this whole reinventing and reengineering, and you just you just nailed it. The ability to let go, you know what I mean? I said I asked you what does it what does it take to be a great husband? You said you gotta let go. And if we look at what you have had the ability to do as a business professional, is you've been able to let go of who you define yourself as and grab onto something else. You're not so tied in, as you said, from an ego standpoint of this is who I am. That you were able to like re like to, to reinvent and to be able to move forward. Do you see the parallel there? You're, yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, yeah. You're, yeah. It, so, huh. one more one more question for you. Now. <laughs> yeah. one, one more question for you. Yeah. Um, and this is just this is me asking you because you know I, I get the chance to, to very rarely do we get to connect <laughs> anymore. So you got two kids. You got Carter. You got Mason. Four years old and two years old. Okay, we got a bunch of men who are listening right now, and a lot of women who are listening too. You know, like we got a, a great audience. It's a mix of the two. What's the key to being a great parent? Patience. You know, patience, because because the kids will test the patience. Um, you know, you have all the stresses of the world all day long, the work, the this, and you come home, and then maybe they're acting out, um, and, and it's being able to understand that they're just they're just kids. You know, they just want your attention. And, and to, you know, to be understanding, to be like loving unconditionally, um, and to, to just to, to realize that, you know, give, give them a little bit of time, you know, play with them, hang out with them. You know, I, I think that, that I think, you know, discipline obviously as well, we can't let them uh, run amok and just do whatever they want, but to be a good, strong parent is, uh, is I think is, is patience. Cause you know, God, look how old we are yeah. and we're messing everything up. And they're just learning everything for the first time. So, um, I mean, I, it, it's, it's been the coolest thing I've ever experienced, definitely, is, is being a dad. You know, the two kids, I mean, I love them so much. I mean, I, I kiss them so much to the point where, like, if people saw it, they'd probably be like, okay, that's weird. Okay, why is he kissing them so much? I just, I hug and hold and, you know, and, and, and they're in this phase where they don't want to sleep in their bed. They want to sleep with us. And I love every second of it because I'm a cuddler and I just, I, I definitely love on them hard. Um, and, 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 and patience. I think I really, I have to say patience cause even, cause I, I lose my patience sometimes, yeah. you know, you come does home when you're, does that patient show up in business as well too? I mean, cause that seems like a great, a great axiom for, for business as well too, which is, Hey, we've got to be patient as well too. You know? I, yeah. Patience and understanding. I think, uh, I, again, I think you just define, I, I didn't realize this, but yeah, I have it at home and I have it at work. I let, um, my staff slip on a lot of stuff and to the old point where my own employees would be like, you're too easy on us, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I'm totally. like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not too easy on you guys. I go, I just want to, you know, embrace you to let you know that you need to make your own decisions. And if you're going to make the wrong decision, how can I, if I cut off your head every time you make a bad decision, you'll never make a decision. And, and for me to step out and be able to do, you know, an escrow company, a real estate company, a construction company, a flipping division, traditional sales, um, TV show. Now I have to have good people around me that can make decisions when I'm not around. So patience and understanding, I think works at home and at work. Brother, dude, there, I've got an entire page of notes and I've got to tell you, have the right people around you is so critical. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And, and like you said, number one, number two, work ethic. Number three, let go of the ego. 
You know what I mean? Be willing to let go of who you define yourself as and recognize that it could all be gone and what yeah. you're left with is who you are. And I, I know that, you know, it, I really want to thank you for the transparency here today, Jesse, because we did something today that we haven't done on real success, which is talk about things that were a little bit outside of real estate, which is what makes a great husband, what makes a great, great parent, you know? And I, I really believe as we do these interviews, man, and, and it's so important for us not to just be talking business, but who are we evolving into as a human being as well yeah. too? And you've given us some great, great information here. So dude, you got a chance. We're sitting down, we're having a glass of wine. Okay. You know, I say, I want to crush it in 2016. Okay. As we end the interview here, what would you tell the guys and gals, you know, the real success nation who's listening right now, what would you recommend to them leaving this to make 2016 their best year ever? So one, have a plan, you know, which we talk about over and over again throughout the year and have a plan, focus, you know, cause we're going to get distracted. There's going to be a million things that are going to hit us, right? You know, we're going to have a plan, be ready to start it tomorrow. And then that bad phone call is going to come in. So, so that let the bad phone call come in, let it go and then move on with what you have to do to execute your plan of action. Cause one thing I learned from you and Tom years ago is without a goal, you'll never hit anything. So have your goal. If it's a hundred transactions, if it's 10 transactions, if it's one transaction for this month is know what that goal is, focus on it intensely and you will hit your goal every single time. So it's like, I think everybody for 2016 needs to realize, have your plan, focus on your plan. And then to execute the plan, you know, just have a few different, you know, sale, you need to feed your sales funnel is the best way to do it. And if, you know, and that's from, if you're an investor, if you're a flipper, if you're a traditional agent, we each have a target audience. Are we putting ourselves in a position in front of our target audience to get transactions and make it happen? You know, don't sit in the office and say, I'm not selling anything because <laughs> it's probably not few sales are going to happen if I'm just sitting here, you know, get on the phone, call someone, text someone, Facebook somebody, you know what I mean? People yeah. want to hear from us. And if they don't, then they'll let them tell you they don't want to and then reach out to somebody else, you know? So beautiful, man. Brother, dude, I, again, so from me, from Tom, we have been around each other from old school days. You know what I mean? Like yeah. old school, when you were like 20, <laughs> so, <laughs> 33, actually, as you were 24, 25. Um, I just want to say how proud I am of you for, for who you've become. Thank and you. look, taking, the, movie, taking the, the program and everything else and putting it aside, who you are as a man is really inspiring to me. Who you are as a father is very inspiring to me. Who you are as a business person, but you've got that, you've got the formula down, man. So, but it's all the other stuff that you're doing. And the fact that this program is about you and your family, Thank it's you. amazing. So do me a favor, give Tina a big hug because she's smoking hot. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give Tina a big hug, Mason and Carter, you know, tell them we say thank you for sharing you with us all the time. And brother, most importantly, I appreciate you and for everything that you've done and just for that smiling face all the time, the great information here, you know, go back, watch this video again and again and again, because there's so many nuggets inside of it. As we end here, Hey, if they want to send a referral to you, right? Okay. If they, if they want to get a yeah. hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you know, it would be via email. Okay. E email or text message. Uh, my email address is jesse at calamericanhomes.com. That's okay. J-E-S-S-I-E at Cal, C-A-L, AmericanHomes.com. Uh, we work the Southern California market. Please don't think of me just as a flipper. You know, we are regular realtors. We want to sell everyone's house we can in our neighborhood. Uh, and if you ever have a good deal, if any of, anybody in the TFO organization has, um, 
you know, a good deal that we could possibly buy and flip. We've done a lot of business with other people, Eileen Rivera, Shark Constantino, and I'm so appreciative to you, Bill, for when you were my coach, from when Tom was personally coaching. I mean, you guys really helped. I don't know if you even realize this. When I came to TFO, it was in that transition period for me. I mean, a lot of conversations with Tom, and Tom will probably laugh when he sees this, uh, in the office being that insecure little boy. You know, kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, my God, I did so many houses. I sold 400 houses. I sold, what am I going to do now? You know, and him just going, uh, you know what to do. You know what to do. You know what I mean? And he let me figure it out. And then it's like, bam, you know, and the next thing hits. And it's, it's we're all going to have that little lull where we're not sure and we're insecure about ourselves. And it's just important to not fall too deep in it and re-engage and realize that it's just real estate. doesn't matter who the buyer or the seller are, it's just still a house and we need to find if it's a corporate client or a regular client, there's millions of transactions happening a month and all we need is a small percentage of those to do very well. Brilliant, man. I love it. Awesome, man. Thank you again. So, hey guys, Real Success Nation, this is our last video of the year. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Festivus if you celebrate it, whatever it is that, uh, that is your celebration. We just want to say, Thank you for listening for another year. We're looking forward to all the interviews we're going to do this next year for you guys as well, too. We've gotten great feedback. And if there's ever anything that we can do to be able to support you and assist you, remember to find us at TomFerry.com. That's TomFerry.com. So, Jesse, you rock. Have an absolutely wonderful finish to this year, man. Can't wait to see you in January. For everybody else, have a wonderful time with your family. Squeeze them for all that you got. And, uh, and again, thanks for watching. Talk to you all soon. Take care. Bye-bye.